0: Welcome to another episode of Three Men and a War Game. I'm your host, Paul.
1: Hi, I'm Kevin. Or Chop. And
2: this is Potter. Oh, hmm? oh. No, nope, we're good. Ooh. We're good. You can be whoever you want. <laughs> yep, sorry. I didn't mean to <laughs> railroad so, so, there. You over, man? I'm sorry.
1: No, I didn't mean to. Anyway, <laughs> guys, you guys ready to get steam powered? <laughs> oh,
0: I am focused on it, sir. All right, cool. I <laughs> see what you did oh. there. See what Ponds. you did.
2: Ponds. I like it. I like it. <laughs>
0: all right. Would you say? Would you say they're they're making you furious? There it is.
1: He gave you the t ball, man. Is. I was like, "Come on, Potter, you can do it. He you did. can do it." I, all right. I,
0: I, I yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. I know. Uh, yeah, I was hoping you were going to come with like I'm furious You about will these feel puns. my fury, or. <laughs> Yeah, yeah
2: cool. I, I almost did, but then I was like the puns were hurting my brain, and then Paul said it before I could.
1: Yeah, and for, for listeners who are like, what are these idiots yammering on about? We're going to talk about War Machine tonight, and these are all jokes right. about War Machine, since War Machine is steam-powered battles in a cool fantasy setting, and two of the key mechanics in the game are Focus and Fury.
0: I, and I promise you... I promise you that we will boost the quality of our jokes. Oh, my God.
1: Also, also so that's a big promise. A War Machine joke. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Let's uh, let's let's hope we get some good rolls on these three d sixes and get after it here.
2: Um, <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! My brain hurts. I'm sorry, people. So
1: the the reason we're talking, well, actually, let's do some let's just do some hobby progress first because we haven't talked a lot of a lot of hobby shop recently. Um, uh, let's go, Paul. Paul, what have you been up to hobby wise?
0: Um, I am. Right now, I am on... Well, I was on a, I was on a World War II kick for a bit. And right now, my heart is in uh, some Gundam building. So, I'm currently working on a uh, Master Grade Dynamis. And it is a freaking phenomenal kit. Oh, yeah. It's the, a uh, sexy beast. The, the, the Go ahead, Chris. I said it's just a sexy beast. I love it. It, it, it is. The, uh, like the GN skeleton that they made for this thing is just so impressive. Mm -hmm. The way the hips move like that, that extra like up and down hip movement is insane. The little holographic pieces are insane. Um, it's, it's, it's just a beautiful kit and well worth the $50 or whatever i spent on it. Um, far more, far, far better than a, uh, Ten necron warriors for the same price.
1: Hey <laughs> no no yuck, no yucking in the yum,
2: Paul. But also, god damn, those models are expensive. <laughs> Potter, what you have you been up to? I know. Yep, yep, yep. Uh so we're gonna take a reverse of what uh, I've usually been doing. So normally I'm the one building Gundams. Oh, this uh, is true. I have been painting I've been painting wardens lately. For a Song of Ice and Fire for my Baratheon army. Hell
0: yeah! Because you guys have been yeah. playing a lot of a Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, we have been playing some Song of Ice and Fire, and it has been a freaking blast, Kevin. I mean, just, there's there's you're absolutely you're have blessed. to tell me.
1: I mean, I, I've long maintained that it's one of my favorite war games, and I don't think that opinion will change, even if I'm not really playing it. It's a very class, uh, class A. War game, one of the best. So not surprised you guys are having a lot of fun playing.
2: Yep. Uh, Somebody asked me about it because I stopped by one of the the local game stores here and I picked up a a box of Rose Knights and uh, the guy was like, you know, I keep seeing these people pick stuff up and I've always been interested in wondering about it. Like, how's the game? I was like, I don't like mass battle games and
0: I own three armies. Yeah. Game's good. Game's real good. Yeah. Game's good. Um, yeah it's 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 fantastic yeah all right anyway that's me i've been oh yeah never mind no, that's my Potter. Potter. steal my thunder i'll shut up now Check Check
1: yeah so paint baratheons and then i think that leaves me um which mm-hmm. has been um working on finishing out my full 10-man roster for crisis protocol in x-force in the black and white or black and silver x-force colors so, I do actually now possess 10 models that'll be in Scheme. Um, and I've been working on filling those out. So, that's been really cool.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Because I got, uh, I'm not, it's,
1: not, it's not like I'm surprising anybody. I got, because people who know the game know the roster and know who's in it. But I got, uh, like uh, Colossus and Magic, uh, which I'm doing in that color, and Honey Badger next 23 which I'm doing in that color scheme. And then it just so happens that Bucky fits that color scheme without him having to be X-Force related. He's just those colors anyway. And he's a free agent, kind of. So Bucky will also be painted, and I'll have a full 10-man roster that I can take as X-Force. Even though they aren't all in awesome. affiliation, they'll all be painted as affiliation since they all basically fit anyway
0: very nice. That's fantastic. Yeah,
1: pretty cool. Uh and then putting some finishing touches on some Bushido models as well as and I don't think this episode has been reco- has been released yet or maybe it'll be released by the time you hear this. Woof, boy, that's some timey-wimey stuff, but uh, built a uh, model, a Bandai model with you guys sitting around a table in North Carolina, uh, built half of it there and half of it at home from a main uh, warrior on the borderline, would recommend those Bandai kits to anybody. They're about $30 for the HG kits, which are a little bit more than you typically pay for HG kits, but they are a baller.
0: Yeah, and and it's going to be really timey-wimey, Kevin, because uh, I put off putting out that episode so we could record this and get this out in a timely manner. Okay. So, so, so that one will come out next. after.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we, yep. that's, that's the, the, then it actually is appropriate for me to mention that now. Um, yep. but I did, uh, some of my hobby, hobby progress was building this model, uh, with you guys.
0: Yeah. And that was, that was awesome. Um, and you'll get to hear that next time. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and we all built something, right. That was, that was kind of it. We sat around, we, we, talk shit and
1: yeah so preview for the next episode gundams. we talked about wargaming stuff i talked about kings of war uh you guys talked about some games and we built gundams in the background it was a lot of fun it was cool
0: yep was yep yep time. it was great to have you down, down here by the way so so uh well we probably covered it over there uh all right so should we get on to war machine affirmative war
2: machine
0: all right um so, Kevin, you want to tell us what what happened with the, yes. the announcement? So, uh, yeah, because you guys shit? are going
1: to be doing a lot of the talking after we mention this, right? Because you guys know the game. Uh, so, the big announcement, and a lot of people have probably heard this, but we'll break it down. Some is that Privateer Press has announced Mark IV of War Machine. So, this will be a fourth edition of War Machine, which is Privateer Press's flagship skirmish game. Or I don't. It's is it bigger than a skirmish game now? I don't know. It seems like it's it. It mid oh
0: yeah
1: oh yeah skirmish skirmish dance. skirmish yeah, for game.
0: sure um although 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 you know with some of the stuff we'll talk about it yes, looks like it's it being does like it's a being random. random yeah I was gonna say that
1: which is good um, but we're gonna be talking about the fourth edition and in talking about the fourth edition we're gonna do what we normally do with press releases is kind of go through what they released and then give our thoughts on the the things that are out and known and in the public. So uh, with yeah, that, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll pop open the, the Mark IV announcement. And the first section of that is called YOY, and it's the reasons for bringing up a new edition. And you know, what, some of the markers here are that new editions are controversial but necessary, uh, that living games have a shelf life, and that maintaining a positive perception requires a constant stream of releases. All of those things are true. Um, I would say yes, Privateer Press was in a non-enviative enviable uh, position here because they have a game with a massive amount of models and also it's not like Infinity where you can like bring someone in sort of one piece at a time and slowly there's no easy ramp into War Machine it is a vertical Mm. learning curve that my understanding is requires dozens and dozens of losses before you really even start to get your feet on the ground
0: um, which is rough Well, to 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 give well to give you some perspective on that, yeah. Kevin, think about Malifaux, right? And there's well, I guess a while back there, at one point there were what forty nine masters, and now there's probably a few, maybe yeah, a few more, yep, seventy, <laughs> still yeah. a little bit. So in 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 War Machine, at the end of Mark Three, they had two hundred plus warcasters Woo! slash warlocks. That's a lot. God, was it really that much? That's 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 what I read. Was that it was two hundred plus warcasters and warlocks. So that is potential. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a lot to learn and know and and have to come up. Yeah,
2: against. I mean, like, and I guess that's true too. When you've got like casters that got like four and remember
1: when you when you start teaching themselves. infinity, lots of con- yep. lots of concepts yep. translate right. Like like hacking abilities, like a hacking ability is the same hacking ability no matter which armies got it. And there aren't a lot of things that are unique to a specific army. It's just the thing that's unique in in uh, Infinity is, is the combinations of skills and who gets them and how much they cost and things like that, right? But, like, um, a model with uh, yep. with uh, MSV3 white, right, is a model with MSV3. That's just what it is. Um, or, you know, right. Eclipse Smoke is Eclipse Smoke no matter who has it, even though it's not accessible to a ton of models. So you don't have to be... Aware of hundreds of potential synergies, it's just it's it's a lot, but it's not an impossible amount. And in War Machine, you had those two hundred casters, but all of those casters also had supporting units, and those supporting units have things like auras and overlapping abilities, and all of those things are different. All of these factions are different, and if you Mm -hmm. don't know what your opponent can do, generally you lose.
2: Yeah, I mean it will. I I will say, a hundred percent. I mean, now I can't speak to how the game in the meta was with Mark III, but that is a hundred percent the way it was in Mark II. I, there was I don't know how many times where I would come in with a caster that someone was not familiar with, and I would table that person just because they didn't know what my stuff did. Because everything, even though models carry, there are unique and common rules like you know stealth or. Combined attack, or you know things like that. Those exist in the game, um, you know. So where there's you know there's model that they those span all the armies. But that could you could have a model here with Weapon Master on it, and this old model over here may look sculpted like it should have Weapon Master, but it doesn't you know it, the the rules are not you know it's 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 very and different and this is
1: all to illustrate why yep. they're not in an enviable position right because they they have their players and you think about it that means this comes with 20 years now of a player base that doesn't want to lose access to all of their toys necessarily right but also the game is stagnant mm-hmm. to the point that it's. I would say it's in an iron lung, right? This game is.
2: It's it it's not. It's not just yeah. bad. It's
1: grim. The condition.
2: I mean, war War Machine itself has not had, from what I understand and looking at things, it's not had any big since the releases. Infernals. I think since, since the, the Orgoff. Yeah, the, or the the Inferno, yeah. and Org-Off. that was the, the that Infer- was the last yeah.
1: Gen Con before COVID. So, whew, long time right. ago.
0: Well, and, and and I mean, going with that, let's just let's just go with this part of the press release. Right. When they're when they're I guess when they're talking about why mm-hmm. doing this new edition, one of the things they mentioned throwing around was calling War Machine a complete game and still yep. supporting it, yep. you know, like events and stuff like that. But. Not releasing new models or anything like that, yeah. and just saying that's it, we're done. And I think that's one of the reasons why we didn't see those releases or very mm-hmm. much release-wise is because they were they were probably planning on making you know Warcaster yep. their yeah they their had new they, the way that
1: they did put it as like encasing it in amber, right, and just calling it done. Uh, right. Right. But the thing is, is that there's yep. too the, – the, and the thing they come around to is that there's too much here, right? It's too rich a universe. They've invested too much and every it's clear that the people that are at Privateer Press still, right? Because we know there's also been a mass exodus of employees. But the people that are there still love War mm-hmm. Machine. Um, and so they were at an impasse. Yeah. And that and that brings us to our next thing, which is how to blow up the world without hurting anyone, right? Um And so the bullet points here Or Paul, did you have anything else you wanted to add in that subject before I go on? No, I'm good. 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 Cool. All right. No, I'm good. I'm good. Let's go on. There yeah this is I think this is where you guys are going to start talking a lot right <laughs> so I'll just go through the bullet points here basically and and I'll try and summarize them is what they what we just mentioned that the the catalog for war machine hards is overwhelming not just for players but also for retailers and distributors we're talking about thousands of skus right it's just an unbelievable amount of product, so causes a lot of problems. And uh, Corvus Belly had a similar problem, right? And they've gone, they've gone more the route that they've started to now uh, with Code One, and we'll get into it. But that's pretty similar with what War Machine is starting to do now. Um. So also, they say mm-hmm. uh, in order to maintain playability of the entire catalog, they're also going to have two types of play. They're going to have unlimited which will allow players to still have access to all of those old models so that they can still play with their toys, right? Because I know if it was me and I was getting a new edition of, say, Song of Ice and Fire and I couldn't use all my models, I'd be angry, right? So I I get it. I would be upset. Uh, And these are very expensive models, many of which have been very lovingly painted. I mean, the privateer press painting contests are kind of second to none. So um, I I totally get Mm -hmm. this. Um, and the second part of this is, is what's going to be called Prime, which will eventually be the premier format that War Machine will be played in. I, I think in, initially – and we'll talk about the roadmap – is that initially Unlimited will be the preferred way and the way that tournaments roll. But as they release more and more Mark IV, we'll move more and more into Prime. Uh, and Prime will be the new models plus a limited selection of the old models. And
2: I, I like this a lot. Um. Yeah. So I am a big fan of, of the of the way that they're doing this. Um, being that, um, and, and I'll, since we've used Infinity as an example already, like I I I I am at a point right now for me, uh, where I'm at with Infinity. I actually prefer playing Code One, uh, in that way because the 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 models that they're releasing are it's it's a much smaller subset, so you don't get that overwhelming, you know. Oh, God, what do I pick? What do I pick? What do I pick? Because there's just so many options. And, you know, I've been playing War Machine oh, probably since 2000. I want to say that it was before yeah, I, I started playing like 2006, 2007 when I've been playing, I started playing War Machine. So, you know, I was very early on. I was it was before Mark two. I, I started playing in Mark one. Um, you know, so I've gotten to see the game scale up, like we talked about before, where it's in this this uh, skirmish plus kind of area. But, like, I still remember games being played where it was one, you know, a friend of mine playing Codor and he had Sorsha, one one jack, maybe, and a unit of Widowmakers. And, like, that was a full-size game. <laughs> that, that was it. So it, I've gotten, you know, I as releases come out, because the way the privateer pressed the release schedule was... Typically, it was one expansion book every year, and those expansion books usually gave you uh, a couple, a handful of solos, maybe a new unit, one or two new jacks, and a war caster for each faction, and that's typically how their release cycle went, and they, and they changed it up here and there, where they would maybe do you know more jacks, you know no casters, or something like that. They would mix it up, but that was usually the typical format, so... As you can see, like, yeah, their their catalog just gets huger and huger and huger. It's 2003 is when the game started, you know, so it's 19, almost 20 years of this catalog growing year after year after year. So coming back and reevaluating and going, hey, what's going to be good for retailers? What's going to be for good for new players coming in to breathe new blood into this? And what's going to make our veteran players happy that they still get to play with their same toys But at the same time, we can continue breathing life into the game in a new way. I I think this is probably honestly the best scenario that they could, and they I really think that they looked at what the industry as a whole has been doing and saw what CB was doing and was like, that's a you know let's try and do that because I think that was a good
0: model that CB did. Definitely. So I I have some thoughts, right? I. I 100% agree with you, and I think one of the coolest things here is that uh, this is where you see a couple of things. Um, the first thing that you see, just this section, the way it was written in general, and even the title of it, was really intended to be a yes. slam on GW. Oh, there's there's lots of jams. right and yeah. how they handled fantasy, right? And they even they even commented about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like. Not only shots fired, it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty intense. I mean, right? they, they laid yeah. the
2: whole ordinance
0: down. I mean, let's just put oh, it Oh yeah, way. absolutely. It was, it was a full on barrage. So one mm-hmm. of the things to, to keep in mind about that is that, you know, when privateer press started, they were basically trying to be the anti-GW. Yep. Right. So, so a little bit of this is, is going back to the well, you know, and, and, taking those jabs at at GW um which is fantastic because that's what they've always been good at so like they they've kind of re-centered themselves and been like yeah we are the punk rock yeah. upstart company um and i mean it's kind of unfortunate because they were not in that situation but with how mark three went mm-hmm. they found themselves back in it right um the other the other thing this section shows us is that they have spent the time during COVID analyzing the game and listening to what Uh players had to say about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody, whether, whether they were in a good relationship with the game or frustrated and leaving the game, there wasn't anybody who would deny the fact that there was just too many models and it was just too much, but you know, they kind of painted themselves into a corner again being founded on the premise of not being GW, you know, and and Chris, you know, this from the very beginning, the whole idea was that unlike GW, we are never going to invalidate your models.
2: Yeah. I mean, you could go through and kill off a character in the story, but continue to be able to use that caster or that solo or whatever it was in this, in the game. And every, every rules update, Those models got rules updates. They were not afraid. They they were not afraid to take risks with their story, the way that they built their world and what they did with it. Um, and you know, and I commend them because I I love that because I was a Space Wolf player in second edition. You know, end of or not second edition, third edition. Like you know, coming into third edition, coming into fourth edition, I I played Space Wolves and then you know I use I lose Bjorn the Velhand because, like, he's just gone. Because GW just chooses not to use him. I, I lose Ulrich the Slayer just because GW chooses not to write rules for him. So that always was a feel-bad thing. But yeah, Privateer has always been very much, they're your toys, you're gonna yeah, have to. but serve.
0: remember... And,
2: uh, oh.
0: Right, yeah. And, and, I mean, in all honesty, that's... Oh, I just, oh. I want to I want to start... Go ahead, go. I want to
1: get into the part of this that is a bit of a bummer for, for that, right? Because, like... We can't be all positive, even though a lot of this is very positive. But like what they're saying here, right, is that the the and I want to read this verbatim because Matt's writing is actually really solid here. He's saying the unlimited arena is gonna feel a little bit like the wild west, where everything goes there and there are few restrictions. Well, this might sound great if you're an existing player. Our expectation is that it's not where returning where newer returning players are really gonna go to, nor do we expect anyone to aspire to do so. While we will hold unlimited arena events in the future and support this mode of play, it won't be the competitive arena because, as we've established, the back catalog of models is unmanageably large, and every new addition makes it even less viable to balance for competitive play. So my read on that is that initially everybody's going to be playing in unlimited because the catalog of Mark IV models is smaller, right? And there will be some legacy models mm-hmm. that are in Mark IV. They've already said that. That's happening. There is there is going to be a selection of legacy models from every faction that will be in Mark IV. But not everything will be. So there will be toys that will not be legal in the de facto standard style of play, uh, which is just something that we have to grapple with, right? And it's not – the best thing but i think for war machine and for a living game that has a catalog of models this large it is probably necessary and we should also be not mad at privateer press for wanting to keep this game going in a way that is tenable and supportable and manageable for new players to get in
2: yeah i think i for me personally just for me you know this is my experience um that is a less of a feel bad moment for me because I think I got my gruffs of it out <laughs> with Malifaux, with the, yep, with the dead yep. with the dead man's hand stuff. Because mm-hmm. they did the same thing, but at the same time, these are not competitive masters anymore. And I'm sorry, Paul, but Nicodem and, but, is but not competitive master. But the thing is, there are for anymore. Nicodem. So, like, if I came to North Carolina, and, that, yeah. and that's where I was good. That's where I was. Yeah, that's where I was getting to. Like, you can yep, still play not Nicodem just not with your buddies with your friends you just can't come to tournament official tournaments correct and play yep. naked or, or or you know the puppet master from neverborn whatever it yeah, is but, I, I can't remember but here's that the other thing that's important Nicodem. to talk
1: about <laughs> yeah, yeah ramos and, and ramos But let's talk yeah, about why ramos. this is like cuz another a, a real question might be but, but why right why not just eventually roll everything in and the reason is that they are introducing new mechanics into war machine into Mark four and those new mechanics I know mm-hmm. are going to make it so that new stuff outpaces the old stuff because it can do things. The old stuff couldn't. Right. Um, and, and one of those things, and I thing that I'm really excited about are command cards, um, yeah. And so command cards, yeah. the way that I read command cards, I think, I feel like I've, I've listened to a lot of content on this already and, and tried to devour as much as I could before we started talking. And people have a lot of different ideas about what these command cards are. But to me, it reads like the Team Tactics cards from Crisis Protocol, right, which are one use cards that you can build a deck of that you bring into your game and you have five of them. And that's very similar to MCU. Uh, or that's MC to MCP. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's sort of what it feels like. And also there's going to be general use command cards that are available to, to the faction. So everyone will get them. Right. And then there'll be more specific ones as they release more models.
2: Um Yeah. That, that's exactly how I took them was. These are like mini feet cards that can be played at any time. Just like, like you said, the team tactics cards right. for MCP.
0: Way, way, well, and, and the way and the way it reads in the in the uh, in the release is that they're really also intended to mm-hmm. reduce the feel bads. You know, they're kind of a feel bad counter, right? Like one of the things they mentioned is that you might have one of these cards that gives one of your units magic weapons for a turn, which is huge because now in Mark Three and Mark Two uh if you had somebody who was uh you know incorporeal and you didn't have a magic weapon you couldn't touch them yeah fuck your pistol wraiths. yeah i mean all you needed to do was move a pistol wraith up to somebody and not attack with them and the person's locked down yeah fuck that shit fuck right like and, it, it and it i think i think m- the uh the the manatha paladin guys the solos they were like the biggest um Offender of this because you were able to sacrifice your movement and gain, you know, uh, I don't even remember what it was. But basically, if once you got them engaged, if you sacrificed your uh, movement. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. They got like plus five armor. Oh, the Bastion bastion dudes with the shields. Yeah. Yes. they They became like plus five armor if they sacrificed their move and if they sacrificed their attack there was something else that they got which basically if you got them into melee and didn't do a damn thing with them they were impossible to get away from Yep. and it's like such a feel bad so these cards are intended to allow them to have these abilities in the game but have you reduced that that negative impact so the way i the way i look at it is that this this also allows you to say you know what i don't I don't have a place in my army for somebody with magical weapons, right? So you can not have somebody with magical weapons and still have, um, the ability to give them that. And the other thing this allows you to do, you know, as far as feel bads is that if, you know, you do have somebody with magical weapons and they deploy on the complete other side from a pistol wraith, then they're still worthless. Right. But now you can give it to somebody who's on the side of the the flank side of the table that the pistol wraith is on, and you can actually deal with it. But also, it allows
1: them to further uh, differentiate faction identity. Right. It gives them a way to like really get deep into what it means to play a faction. Just like in Crisis Protocol, you have tactics cards that can only be used by specific affiliation members, and those are deeply thematic.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yes, which is which is one right. of the and things one, that I and, absolutely and War love about it. Is,
2: well, and it's it's also going to change. It's also going to change. Like, it's not going to make. It's going to be. Sorry, I'm trying to put my thoughts together. It will be a better way to play casters in different ways, so that when you don't have the you know the same exact affixius list, you don't have the same exact siege list, you don't have the same exact. Uh, Karchev list that they're these net lists that you're seeing all over and over and over again but even if you do see them if you're taking these these command cards and changing them up and different that can completely potentially we haven't seen them yet but it has the potential to change that play style and throw in something that's new in you're not hopefully we'll start seeing some different things instead of the same gargantuans well one thing we know about them is that some
1: of them cost army it. list points <laughs> so pretty
2: correct correct pretty so cool. those
1: do cost yep. points um, so but let's let's move good. on to the next one because we got a lot we got a lot of a lot of bullet points to cover here um there is a lot to talk about so there's, <laughs> there's a, a lot the next to talk thing about, to talk about a good is game. factions and armies and cadres oh my uh yeah, this is really excited about this and one. so it, the way that the way that I understand it, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but in Mark one and Mark two, it was like a big old fucking sandbox. Like, it, like you picked an army and you could just, mm-hmm. you know, like run your grubby little fingers over your whole model collection and put whatever models together that you wanted. Uh, and then Mark three started to gravitate more toward uh, theme lists and started to
2: like really pigeonhole what people could do. Um, mm-hmm. now the theme was in Mark II. Sure. they were just very, they were just very different from what they decided to got do it. with them in, in Mark three.
0: Yeah. And see, and I always felt like the, the, the negatives of it, uh, yeah. far outweighed the positives. Like, I didn't feel like you got enough for sacrificing the units that you gave up. Not, not, it wasn't, it wasn't as well done as, well, here we go again. Uh, The sectorals in Infinity where you're giving up, you know, access to some models, but it makes it worthwhile for what you got. Whereas I felt like, yeah, yeah. I felt like getting one more inch in deployment wasn't worth, you know, not having access to half of your.
1: Yeah. Whereas whereas having access to fire teams in Infinity is like a huge deal. Right.
2: Right. Right. Exactly. But but this is
1: actually a completely different take. Right. Like th- this is like a it's a brand new thing and it's, it's a little bit confusing. And so what I want to do and I'm sorry for our international uh, listeners and I'll, I'll try to break, break this down in a war game adjacent way. But the way that's going to be easiest for me to square this is by thinking of it in U.S. military terms. And so what we what okay. we have in War Machine now is, uh, as I as I noted, factions, armies and cadres. Right. And mm-hmm. so what we have are like – and we'll take the example on the webpage is Signar. And so you have the Signar faction and that – the Signar faction is equivalent to the United States military. All right. And then inside of Signar, you have the Storm Legion and the Gravediggers as the examples in the picture. And that's like the Marine Corps and the Navy.
2: Right. Uh, I, I'll pro- I would probably say Marine Corps in the uh, the Army. Okay,
1: for, for, but just just that it's two different branches <laughs> of the same military.
2: You're, you're talking about my beloved swans. I'm sorry. Right, and so so when you're using
1: Storm <laughs> Legion as Storm Legion, they can only be like if there's a Storm Legion cadre, they're only going to be Storm Legion models, and if you're using Gravediggers specifically, it's only going to be Gravediggers. But there are also cadres which are like joint operations. So like where you might have corpsmen, which are are military military-paid officers that work – or sorry, Navy-paid people that work with the the Marine Corps. In the swordsmith cadre, you might have access to Storm Legion and Gravedigger units and Basically, this is one of those things where they have both open and inflexible things so that you have more choice as a player, but also limited list building options. And what I think this is one of those things where sometimes given some restrictions opens up a lot of creativity. And I think the system that they designed here was will prove itself to be one of those systems where they, they give you a box to play in that's a little bit restricted but not so restricted that you can't be very
2: creative in it no I I, I agree with that so so for me this this is what I always wanted themeless to be um, and again I didn't play in mark 3 um, outside of the the little launch event and I think at the launch event, I want to say there was only one theme list out at the time, and it was for Signar. It was a very generic template uh, theme list for Kara Sloan, I think, at the time. But so uh, the way theme list has, in my brain has should have always been was you have this caster, and these models are themed after the units that this caster works with that this caster was, so like, let's take Stryker for the, to, for example, Stryker was part of the, the Storm Guard, he was part of the Storm Legion, uh, you know, he worked his way up, he became a palace guard, and became, you know, did that whole thing, and he became a commander in the, in a general, in the army, so his stuff should always be what are called Storm Noun units, so anything that's gonna have this Storm, uh, is Storm Smith, Storm Guard, Storm Blades, etc., etc., a lot of times, some other stuff got mixed in there, and some stuff got left out, and it didn't feel right because they were always trying to save those for other casters. Like stormsmiths are very big with Nemo, um, because the you know that's more the engineering kind of core. Um, you know, there was some great or some uh, grave digger stuff with the trenchers that kind of left out of sieges list that I felt were weird. So going this route where it's like this is the grave digger army these are the models you can take that are gravedare models. That, that feels better for it because it's more about the the army and not the unit, the commander, the, the war caster. And I feel that's a much better way to do it. Plus now you're also making it more wide instead of deep yep. with your models because now you can go, you can always start introducing new, you know, faction or not... Our new armies within your faction and make those model, you know, make it so, you know, well, let's say we get a new, you know, uh, arcane mage group over here. And it's a whole army of arcane mages for Signar. you know, that you can now start doing those ideas and play with that. Because if you're only storm Legion, then you only need storm Legion models. And then you're done. Yeah. And, wh- and what, like that's all you want to play. Right, you're done. And what they're saying here, right. Is that you have storm Legion and you
1: have grave diggers, but if they introduce the swordsmith cadre, then they can introduce models into that army that can be used with Storm Legion and some that can be used with Gravediggers. So Gravediggers players right. have a reason to buy swordsmith models.
2: Yeah, and there's still and there's, it's still giving you some flexibility of options. Right, because then you know you go, okay, I like this cadre. I like the way that they work. And now you're not going just pure grape jiggers with your trenchers. Right. And, and the, the way that it sort of works is
1: like if you want to think about it in infinity terms is that the Signar is kind of like uh, uh, – kind of like the – if you think about what Aleph has control over, right? Like the whole human sphere. Like if we think about like the greater powers, right? And then any of the model – the things inside like you could think of like any of the – well, oh, oh, ah, this is a bad analogy. Anyway, the the mm-hmm. – Storm Legion and the Gravediggers are like the vanilla armies, right? And then the, the mm-hmm. swordsmith cadre is like the sectorial that can use a selection from the vanilla, but then can pipe back out to those vanilla armies too.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. I, I see what you're trying to say. I, I, I get, what, get what you're saying. Yeah. Um. And, and that is what it looks yeah. like. It looks like it's,
1: it's just yeah. giving them a way to release that. models like – because part of the issue, right, is like if you if you think about it in terms of, of Games Workshop, when Games Workshop reduces – like releases a new Eldar model and they make a new Eldar sculpt or Eldari, sorry. The only people who are buying <laughs> the new Eldari models are those players, right? They're not selling those to Space Marine players. This is never going to happen. Um, and the model ranges aren't very big. But in this, what they're trying to do is say, yeah, buy into one of these bigger initial armies. And then later, when we release these cool specialized ones, you can buy those specialized models and they'll still be useful in your original army. And I think that's mm-hmm. really cool. It just gives yeah. you more ways to play. And again, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's like, it's a sandbox. You can't go outside of the sandbox, but also they're putting lots of toys in the sandbox for you to play with.
2: Well, this opens it up uh, really well. And I know, you know, Paul doesn't like this, but do going the cadre realm really opens up to what they can do with the mercs. Sure.
0: So here's, here's my thing with that Potter is that I feel like this is going to rein in what I don't like about mercs. Which is that it always felt like you could one hundred percent take a merc and and completely patch all of the gaps in your army, and at that point, why are you even having a faction identity? Because you can p- completely circumvent the negatives that you get with your positive. No, I, so it, I feel yeah, like I this that. is actually a little more a little more in line with again what Infinity does with the Sectorals, where they say, yeah, these might be a mercenary type guy, but they fit in with the theme and the play style. Right. So I think it gives them more of that ability to control what mercs are going where. I like that. Yeah, No, I can, I can see that. I can see that. So I think, I think that actually solves a lot of the stuff I don't like about, about the whole mercenary setup. Yeah. Right. Like that was, that was my, that was my biggest thing is that it, it allows you to patch, you know, the weakness of your army and to me playing these games, part of it is taking, you know, your faction and learning it and dealing with both the strengths and the weaknesses. Um, and that is where you get to show, you know, your skills. Awesome. Yeah, and, um, I mean, and we won't and we don't
2: have long to see what they're going to do with it, too, because the, the mercenaries are being released in uh, December, I think.
0: Yeah, so it's it'll it'll be really interesting to see what they do, and I, I am really excited about that. Um, but the other thing I I really wanted to reiterate what you said, Chris, about uh, going wide instead of deep. I think that is one of the smartest things they could possibly do. I think it's one of the smartest things that any games company at this point um, can do because you know we're at a point now where we're learning that uh, you know there is you you can go too deep in a faction and you lose that faction identity um and you make it harder for people to get into your game or into a faction and by limiting that and making it wide instead of deep it is uh absolutely better for players again uh going to infinity um like i have all the onyx models mm-hmm. i i don't i I'm not going oh my gosh I have to constantly keep up with releases for this for this sectoral. Like it's done. Yep. Yeah, they put out like one or two here and there or whatever, but it's done.
1: Yep. And that's a good feeling. Yeah. You yeah, you know you have your full army. But also you know you can expand yeah. that into vanilla combined. And if they release new combined models then you can start playing with combined, but you can always roll back and play with your Onyx.
0: Yep. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's just it, right? Like that's and that's where that's where this is great and where I absolutely Yeah. um adore this is is that side of it is that you can potentially have, you know, like you can be like, "All right, well, I have everything that's coming out with Stormsmiths. There's nothing coming out for Stormsmiths anytime soon. But uh, you know what? I really um like the looks of I don't know what else is there in you know um, I don't know what else is in Signar so I'm gonna go with with okay how about this way so like you could even just look at oh wow look I like that that the Crix banes that are out there um, and that type of undead really speaks to me I don't really want to get into everything in Crix either so I can just buy yeah the that's that. awesome. Army. Army, I, I,
1: I, I and really would be with. I really do like that.
2: Yep. Yeah, it's it's like the like the like when I play. This is actually a really good segue to the next point, which was where's the beef,
1: and that's referring to what's going on yeah. with hordes. Yep, exactly. Yeah, where is that beef? So, Hordes will no longer be separately maintained as a brand. <laughs> Hordes is being permanently rolled into War Machine. yeah
0: Yeah, where is that beef?
1: So, that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, I feel like this is a thing that's always been needlessly confusing. Woo! Um. So... Woo!
0: Yay!
2: Yay! Love it. Love it. It's about time. Uh,
0: Yeah. uh, Understatement. Understatement about how cool that is, to be perfectly honest with you, Um, because it it's a pain in the ass, especially, you know, when they're putting out books and everything like that to say, all right, well, now I have a War Machine book. Oh, geez. Now I have to go buy a Horde's book and I can't just look at my War Machine rulebook and and learn about the mechanics of uh, war, you know, war beasts and warlocks. And, you know, so, yeah, it's a great way for them to sell more books, but that's just not practical now that, you know, everything is, is web-based and PDF-based. Yeah,
1: the only company that's not on board with this shit anymore is Games Workshop, right? If they want to compete with all of the smaller games, they got to get on the fucking train. And they are. To their credit, they are. Everything is being released digitally and for free. Faux free. <laughs> we'll talk about that a little bit yep. later, too, which is like, whoo, so good. Um, but yeah. So warm ma- or uh, so no more war m- Hordes, just war machine.
0: Yep, uh, which is fantastic, and I love it. Yep, it was it was nice going through the beta rules
2: that they released and like seeing here's rules for warcasters, here's rules for warlocks, and I didn't have to go to a different book. I didn't have to go here. Mm-hmm. I like boom, all the rules for focus and fury are right here. All the rules for warbeasts are here. All the rules for warjacks are here. One place, yep. a single point of failure, a single repository. I love it. it. It's great for players. It's no more carrying multiple books or mo- having multiple downloaded P- uh, electronic copies of books. I love it. And and for people that are
1: unfamiliar with this game system entirely, and the, you guys the, again, I, I'm going to do my best here uh, as a person who's never played War Machine, but I also, you know me, I read a lot. I've I've read, I've read the the prime rules for Mark II and Mark III in the past. And because, Paul, you know, when we first met, you were deeply in love with War Machine and, and I always listened to you talk about it. So I think I can do this justice, but stop me if I don't. <laughs> so for the people who They're are them. listening that are going, God, what is what is what what is the deal? Why are these guys so excited anyway about this? And what is the difference between War Machine and Hordes? And so the difference is – and you've heard Potter and, Chris, or, uh, and, and Paul talk about this, that in War Machine you have your War Jacks and your War Casters. And in hordes, you have your warlocks and war beasts, right? And and the the mm-hmm. difference really is that war machine is a game of resource management in that your war your your casters generate a resource called focus at the beginning of every one of your turns that they can allocate to the jacks and then use that focus to move, attack, and do things with the jacks. The jacks require focus to move. On the other side of the coin, war, uh, sorry, hordes is a game of risk management because in hordes, rather than starting with the, the mechanic, the mechanic on that side of the fence is called fury. And as war beasts do things, they generate fury, but the warlocks have to calm them down because if they ever exceed their fury amount, they go psycho bananas and start destroying mm-hmm. everything they're near. And so that's the main difference between the two games. But outside of those differences, all of the rules
2: are the same and compatible.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. The- and and you nailed it. Risk management versus resource management. Yeah,
2: and it, and it's the, again they're the same exact game, just one with machines yep. and one with super huge giant beasts.
0: And and there is, I mean, there the warlocks do play differently. Oh, yeah. So let's make sure that we 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 do say that. Like there are. There are different mechanics, but all the basics are there, right? Like it's it's just like having, you know, um, like we were talking about how there's two hundred different, you know, warcasters and warlocks. I mean, they're the same as a as a warcaster, but they just have, you know, significantly different specialized. Right. Yeah, yeah the, I mean- the,
1: the, the main core mechanic is that a, war, a warlock generates an amount of focus up to its focus amount at the beginning of a turn, and they can allocate that focus out to their jacks however they would like to, but they have a limited amount. And on the other side of the fence, as the war beasts do things, they generate fury, but the warlocks can only pull so much fury off per round. And so right. it's how far do you want to push your war beasts before they enrage, or before you're going to be able to pull them off, and how far can you push each war beast
2: each turn? And if all your war and beasts die, your batteries are gone. Right. Correct. Correct. Yeah, I, I think and that's, in Mark Three they did make it a change where
0: I believe they did.
2: Warlocks got a minimum amount of fury back.
0: So what they what they changed in Mark Three is that um, a oh my gosh, how did it work in War Machine? I think every Jack got at least one focus. Yeah,
2: Jack's got one free point of focus, and then War and, and the Warcasters and, could put their focus out on that afterwards.
0: Right, and then and then Warlocks for each dead War Beast got a one point fury. of fury so they could still do things yeah yeah because right. the warlocks
1: yeah. use fury to power their abilities
2: i knew yeah. i knew they did change it in in, in mark three because that was always something that was a feel bad kind of situation in mark one and mark two and when hordes came out um when your war when your beast were dead like your you basically your warlock was was useless unless you started cutting now you could always cut yourself to get more fury, but then right. now you're, now you're taking damage and you're potentially going to die.
0: So, and, and, you know, building on the risk, uh, risk versus reward mechanics is, you know, it, it's, it's intentional, right? Like the whole idea there is that, you know, as, as um, you know, Jack's die your Warcaster is able to keep more of that for themselves. So they actually really are becoming more powerful. Right. right as they have less places to put those resources whereas a warlock as beasts die they're becoming less powerful
1: but guys let's move to the next the next topic so the next topic is war room is dead long live war room <laughs> uh, and <laughs> And so War Room is the app for for War Machine, for people who don't know. Um, and one of the cool things that I always liked about the app when I was watching War Machine players at our local game stores is that, you know, in a game like uh, Malifo, for example, or Bushido, you often track your model's health with a dry erase marker, like right on the, on the card. But the cool thing that yeah. I saw with the old War Room app is that, like, as... War beasts and warjacks took damage to their different limbs and things. You could use the app to actually mark that down, so that you didn't constantly have to have pens and dry erase and all that stuff. You could actually just track everything on the app, even though you could use the cards if you wanted. So it was really flexible.
0: So, um, and, and let me just expand on that real quick there chops mm-hmm. um one of the things and i think the new Malifo app does this as well but you could set up a game mm-hmm. yeah so yeah and the you, new malifaux you would, app you would, does
1: do this yep
0: yeah so you would so you would be able to uh, you know connect to your opponent's list you would be able to look at their list see what as they put damage in it would update on yours so one of the nice things about that is that cuts down on on how many? How much health does that guy have left? How yeah. much health you does that guy it have it left? What yep. does he do? What's his defensive stat? So you could look it up ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And the other kind of cool thing about that is it takes away some of the tells, right? Because if I'm asking you about you know this specific jack and and what it's got, um, that gives you some some information thought of like, like oh, why crap. I'm
1: asking. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> exactly. So then so then you also don't have to be like all right, well time to bluff. Let me ask about every jack. <laughs> Yep.
1: Yep. So that, and that's cool, right? But the, the, and I I just wanted to get that out of the way because I always thought that was, because it was way ahead of its time. Like, I, like Mm Malifo app has that now, but the War Room app, that shit existed in Mark II. Like, that, that's, it's old. Yeah. Like, you could, they had, they were way ahead of the curve.
2: The original Um, one, yeah. No, it was good.
1: So the new War Machine app, uh, it is free, still free. Uh, the cool thing about this app is it has, all of the rules for all of the models and the game in the app for free. Now that's that's, I mean, to Games Workshop player they're going, what the fuck? <laughs> for for oh, right. a lot of us though, that's pretty normal. Like Infinity, Malifaux, Song of Ice and Fire, all these games have that pretty standard. Mm-hmm. Um, they will offer a subscription service that allows you to sto- store multiple army builds. Now, I don't I, – I mean I get it, right? They want to have some sort of monthly recurring revenue. That is what it is. It's fine. I'm sure they'll also offer some other premium content. But the thing that's really important is that all of those game functions – and that was the reason I brought it up – is all of those game functions will still be there. No purchase. All of the model mm-hmm. unit cards there. No purchase. Building a single army no purchase pdfs for all of the rules no purchase it's just all available in the war machine app right away um that's fantastic yeah. i i it is based, it's becoming a standard but i want to praise privateer press because they are coming from a position of just like games workshop selling countless books Card packs mm-hmm. and all sorts of use like things that are superfluous to the game. If you have an app that has everything available, and they are consciously making the decision to no longer publish and do it that way, and just do it all via their free app, and st- and, and and again, in the old War Room app, you had to pay for army books, right? Like yep. it, it wasn't yep. like everything was free. Everything is free aside from the ability to store multiple lists.
2: Yeah, and with the fact that, yep. that they made the decision in Mark Three to go ahead and stop printing cards for any of their, their, their models, new stuff that they're putting out, and everything was to be done through the app, or print yeah. on-demand services that they had as well, too. Um, right. You know, th- this, is, this is great, because it is a divergence from what the first two were, because <clears throat> the first two, you could buy your cards bait per per army. So, like, you could just buy Signar if all you play is Signar. You could buy Legion if that's all you played. If you play Cotter, that's, yeah. just buy your Cotter once. Um, you know, and that was the same for both versions of the game or the versions of the app. So the Mark one app and then the Mark two app as they, I think they called it. Um, but yeah, this, this is fantastic. I I'm happy for it. Uh, if we get back to, if we get a community rebuild here, which I hope we do, if this, if this version of the game is great, um, you know, I will probably be one of those suckers paying for the premium content.
1: Well, and here's the thing, right? The they, cool they have...
2: thing
0: about it too. Go ahead, Paul. I was going to say the cool thing about it too is that uh, they're – part of the thing they're doing with the app is that it's going to – it sounds like they're going to include some content when uh, – premium content, of course, uh, that's very similar to what they used to do with No Quarter.
1: That's exactly what I was going to say. We were we were on the same page that, that yes, it's okay. going to be just okay. like – it's just going to be just like No Quarter and No Quarter is Priority Press's version of White Dwarf. Um, so – you could expect new st- scenarios, new strategy articles. That's where you're gonna get your lore updates and fiction. Um, as well as mm-hmm. it looks like uh oh boy, Paul, you guys are gonna have to help me. Is it Steamroller? Is that the name of the OP stuff? Yes. Yes. So yep. as as well as Steamroller stuff. Whoo, I know a lot about this game for guys, never played it. Um Yeah, you do. So that's really cool. Um, I think, and, and that's to me, that sounds like like when I when I when I think about the paid Warhammer app, I'm like, why? If I'm already paying seventy dollars per book, and I, I'm, that's not an exaggeration. Those freaking Horace Heresy books are seventy bucks, man. And and, yep. and I'm paying for new codexes when they come out, and I'm paying. Is it like twelve ninety nine a month now for White Dwarf? And now you want me to pay six ninety nine for a couple of painting videos? Go fuck yourself! Like this is what I want. I want everything that that I need to play and is necessary for the game, and also for me to look like to look up other armies I might want to play. Like if I want to if I want uh, to look at a new army for Warhammer forty thousand, I have to go pick up a book and buy it because they're shrink wrapped. There's fifty dollars. So the the thing with the rules in it, I want that for free. But the things that you offer over that, the cool stuff that I want, the strategy articles, the lore, new scenarios, organized play content, previews for new stuff, I will pay for that because that's worth paying you for. It's things that your employees are actively doing work on and I'm, I'm into it. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if, if that's – if you're going to ask for more money, this is the way to do it. Give the players the things they need to play and then charge for the things that are over the top of that. Yep. I, yes, yes, perfect Cool, so I think that, that, that being said and, and $5 a month is pretty reasonable Especially if, you know, well, I'm hoping this game takes off There's actually a huge privateer press presence in Wisconsin And a lot of these guys are diehards And I think I've just been waiting for an excuse for the game to take back off So I don't think I'm going to have an issue at all getting into this game if I buy a starter set um, but if th- this becomes my main game and the game I play a lot, I don't think paying d- the, the like 60 bucks a year is unreasonable for the content that's going to be in that app.
2: Nope. I, I don't think so.
0: Cool. So can we, can we um, talk about their uh, massive genie they let out of the bottle that can never go back in the bottle now that it's out? Mm,
1: yeah. What's the genie?
0: fucking 3d printed models
1: oh boy um yeah i was definitely going to mention that with engineering the future which is two steps
0: down But we can talk about it right now (laughs) oh shit two steps down damn (laughs) you got i let the i let the genie out of the bottle i just got so excited it's all right we
1: can go to evolve or die after right because it, it doesn't really matter what order we talk about this in so this is the the um engineering the future right and so basically the engineering the future what what they're talking about and and also this is a great thing to talk about because I've seen a lot of misinformation and also misunderstanding about this online people people are assuming that privateer press is buying like a bunch of elegu printers or like consumer level 3d printers <laughs> <Holy> <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyway, yeah yeah let's talk let's talk though so metal no longer a viable material to produce models with rising costs there is no arguing with this. We're seeing this across nope. the entire industry. It, Infinity huh, is
0: getting out yeah, of metal yeah, models. Exactly. That, what's that tell you?
1: Exactly. Exactly. They get old. Like cast. Yep. And 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 also they 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 sort of skirt around cast. They talk about the fact that they they tried some new re- resin casting, in-house resin casting. But what they were afraid of with ScioCast is the same thing that they're they're afraid of with anything that has proprietary materials and that it's – if there is a material shortage, it's going to be really hard to get it and they're going to have to be competing with everybody else who uses those proprietary systems. Correct. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, also overseas plastic production rising and we're seeing that in board games, right? Like uh, famously Mythic Games just had to go back and ask Kickstarter backers for more money because oh. i i know for, for a thing that already closed because it was oh, no. yeah yeah because they were running out of money because of the increasing shipping and plastic costs that the factory was sticking them with and their backers are not uh, happy right I and they so again not happy ir, irrefutable i don't think we can refute this that is that is 100% true we're seeing the ripples across other parts of the industry this is not private press blowing smoke up our asses so right. the the thing about this is that they are going to be using three D printing technology, and we have to make some assumptions here because they're not telling us straight out of the gate. But one thing I can tell you for sure is they are not using four hundred dollar consumer grade three D printers. There's no fucking way. These guys are that we're talking about, and 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 there are like what dentists use, right? And what people who are and and, and what material makers, but people who are making prototype plastics for. Consumer level products. These kind of three D printers, three D printers that cost tens of thousands of dollars per printer. Not four hundred dollar consumer level printers. These are ultra high resolution. We have to assume ultra high resolution, high yield three D printers. I mean, think of,
2: think right. of the stuff that they're using to print uh, arms and legs for people that need you know those those type of uh, amputees and things like that. Yeah, using I was going to go with printers, ret-
1: retainers. Them. Yeah, retainers for, for yep. dental work are what I was going to say, right? Those kind of 3D printers are the kind of 3D printers that I have to assume Privateer Press is making a printing farm with. We know they have a huge warehouse they've consolidated, and we also know they're selling all their model, their, their metal shit and metal production. So they're going to have room for these new printers. Mm. And mm-hmm. so this gives them a pretty – there's a couple cool things about this. Um, one of them is that if you ever had three D printed models, especially three D printed models with high quality plastic. I'm not talking again. I'm not talking about consumer level three D printed models. Those are those can be fairly brittle, like resin, but more like a, pr- a retainer or a uh, uh, like uh, like w- w- what Potter was saying with a three like a three D printed. Um, uh, I can't think of the name of the thing I'm trying to think of right now, but an appendage, right? Mm-hmm. So. That's the kind of the level of quality we're going to be talking about. We're going to see these models at Gen Con, so we're going to know very quickly the, the level, the, like the quality of the plastics. Um, but I will assume they are going to be high quality, and they are also going to be able to print at speed because they are using industrial 3D printers, not consumer 3D
2: printers. Yep. I mean, we've, we've um, actually been seeing these models already. Privacy Press has been posting them on their Instagram and building. they're
1: sending them to people. Yeah, yeah. they're sending them. We saw
2: today. Yeah, they're they're sending them to people, uh, which yeah. is and fantastic. Gorgeous. The
1: the pictures that I've seen of people receiving these care packages because one of the things Privateer Press did that we saw today is they saw people that were reacting positively online, cross referenced their name with their compa- with the their customer database, and then for the people who were reacting positively and had a customer entry in their database they did a lottery and they sent out models to a bunch of people which is just a class move so, right? so it's just just so good um like, so come home and suddenly
0: see. there's war machine models at home oh
1: what a treat right I, I just like i'm happy for all those people and i think that's just a super good guy move on privateer press and it helps the, it's it's goodwill, and it helps already we can see what these models are like to build yep. right mm-hmm um, and the quality well, of the plastics, I'm- which again are very high.
2: They're-
0: well, and one of the things one of the things that they pointed out, Kevin, is even just the the ability to not be limited by um, you know the mold, right? Because there's oh, all kinds yeah. of stuff with. Where you know you can only design so far off of the the main mold. It's called overcutting can.
1: and undercutting. Yeah, and they don't yes, have to worry exactly. about they don't have to worry about either of those things because they're not having to they're not they don't have to sculpt on a two D plane anymore because they're mm-hmm.
0: not filling an injection mold. Right. So right, and and one of the one of the things they pointed out was that one of their new Mark IV Signar Warjacks when they were looking into doing it through the resin or whatever, it was going to be, I think they said 17 pieces. Like the head was two pieces. The body was a bunch of pieces. I think it was like seven pieces the
2: body was or something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Something ridiculous. And with the 3D printed version, it's – a head, a body, legs, and arms. <laughs>
2: it's crazy, right? Well, Just the, nuts. Yeah, and with these 3D printed, like you're talking about with the not being able to print or not having to be restricted to a 2D plane anymore because what it, like we alluded to earlier, so there with the redesign of the, the way that this game is going to go with these new models, if you've been following Warcaster at all, it's going to be very similar. You're going to get different loadouts for your jacks and these jacks are coming with the magnets the arms the gu- the, the guns the heads everything you need in your kit with it it's like i think the, what they they released i think yesterday they released what's going to be in the uh the signar army box and the infernals yeah. army box and i think it's like something like 30 magnets are coming in the army box and because they yep. because they're printing on a 3D plane now, they can pre they can have the holes for the magnets pre cut for you already. So all you have to do is take glue, mm-hmm. dab, glue, dab, slap, in your models together. Yep, yep. And, and your models magnetized. Not and your together, models are magnetized. Mag, magnetized. It's, it's oh, magnetized. It you know, like you, <laughs> magnetized. You're magnetized. Uh like and you got the, like one of the the one of the heavies I saw for Signar, like. You had, like, a gun option, a shield option, a big mm-hmm. fist option, and one other option so for, like, the lefty. L- I'm, looking, I'm looking right now. Right now. So
1: I, I'm, I'm just going to go off the Orgoth one. So looking at the Orgoth kit, each Warjack has three left arm and three right arm options and three head options. Yeah. So, oh, my God. So it's nine total options for each, and the magnets for all of those are included in the army box. So, all nine appendages for both warjacks or both, uh, yeah, are, yeah, warjacks are all included. Yep. Uh, and again, like anybody who's ever pre, I, I can't emphasize this enough. Anybody who's ever magnetized a model, I, I'm talking, lo- lo- look at me, look at me through the ether. It sucks. You've done it before. It's awful. I'm looking at my microphone right now, pretending it's you. You know it's terrible. <laughs> It is the worst experience. As someone you that have had, to, It's so much guesswork. Yeah. It's horrible. <laughs> as, so,
2: as someone that had an idea to – that when when Mark 2 Mark came out and they came out with the plastic Warjack kits and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to mm-hmm. magnetize everything. I can just swap things out. I just need to buy one, one jack chassis and I can just swap all these arms out and have all the fuck that. I never fucking did it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but, no, but now, but
2: now it's, but right now it's, that's just
1: the, the building process, right? The building process is that you're not building the thing and putting it all together. You're just
2: slapping a magnet in and then it's magnets. All, like, all, all, just, all you're doing is putting a body on two legs. That's it. And then you're magnetizing the bitch. Again, I've seen some things yep, online amazing. where
1: people like they, re, they revolutionized the, the industry with this. And that is true. It doesn't true. feel like yep. a thing that should be revolutionary, but this is, this is good game-changing shit that they're doing here uh, just well, and part of it
0: part of its price reduction yeah. right yeah. like yeah. you're not yeah. spending as much to produce those so who gives a shit if you send out some models yeah and also you
1: know the other models. thing that this lets them do like what if they decide they want to make some additions to warjacks later they're like oh let's do an mm-hmm. upgrade kit it's oh, 20 dollars. they'll yep. we'll send you four new arms and four new magnets Oh, oh well, so cool. you know
2: that you know 100% that they've already got that that was part of this idea that is Man, going that to is happen.
1: Man that is so cool um because, right. because
2: they already have they already have a history of doing that with their character warjacks. because that's how that's exactly how character warjacks work in part 2 Like when the Morrowin uh, uh warcaster came out and they got she got her character jack it was literally just a metal shield, a metal sword, a metal head in a little, like, prayer book that you put on the top of the plastic ironclad chassis. boom, you're done. Bob's your uncle. So they so, already so have a history we doing that. So real quick, we,
0: we, 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 have to, we have to take a step back because we're talking about this. We're very excited about this, but we haven't gotten into why. And this is one of the other major changes that they made to Warcasters and to Warjacks is that they're fucking customizable. Yeah. And that's where you are seeing these different arms – Because you can decide as you're list building. Well, I want this one to have the giant axe. I want this one to have the giant mace. I want this one to have a gun. This one's going to have a shield. You know what? This one's going to have a second axe. And this head allows it to have three focus. This one allows it to have four focus or whatever, or it makes it faster, whatever the mechanics are. Two focus and an extra, an extra strength,
2: maybe,
1: right? Like, so, yeah, exactly. So you can like push,
2: push and pull on the levers. Yeah cuz the heads yep. the, the heads will decide what kind of cortex you have it and if you, for people that don't know what it like so cortexes are what power war warm uh, warjacks so i'm assuming they'll have a similar thing when they start looking at hordes and how they're going to be playing that mechanic for hordes for the beasts. but that the cortex mm-hmm. is what powers and gives the 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 warjack a connection to the warcaster so that's how it works so depending on what kind of cortex it has they can do different things, and that is what the heads are going to represent. Different heads are going to represent. Mm-hmm. But Paul, you you said something that I that we haven't touched on, and I know we're starting to get to like our are we're running a little long just because we're excited about this. No, oh, we're yeah, but absolutely, um, but it's fine. So you mentioned about the customization of the Warcaster. So we touched on the command cards, do but we did do not it. touch on something that I've always, always, always wanted there to see. Is the oh god I can't remember what it's called. It's the spell deck or the rack, the spell rack. The so rack. So we, so they. I was real pissed when they implemented this in Warcaster. So Warcaster got it because you know Warcaster is the science fiction world of of you know of War Machine. It's the far future or it's the the teleported whatever it is from the story standpoint. And you got it there. Their Warcasters got their spell rack. We never did. So in the lore. Each of these warcasters know a set basic kind of spells that are unique to their 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 faction. So, Signar, uh, you know, uh, the lightning—they have like lightning spells. They have arcane shield, certain things like that. Those are basic generic spells that most of their casters know. Then you have the spell rack, which is the customized spells that only that warcaster know. That makes that warcaster unique. And in the lore, the warcaster prechooses what spells from the spe- his the, his or her spell rack that they're going to go into battle with, and we're going to get that option now to have that to augment and change our warcasters with their spell racks, so that we again I can bring Siege if Siege Brisbane is one of these characters that come over to Prime, I can bring Siege in, and I can go I want this 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 and this ability, and if my buddy's playing Siege. His spell list may be completely different based on his playstyle, based on the mission. It's it's gonna be phenomenal. I'm super excited about that.
0: And so I think I think one thing real quick there, Chris, is that I think I think we have to flip it around because I'm pretty sure the unique spells your warcaster has to take. Correct. So Correct. like the unique yeah, ones so, they do. Yeah. yeah.
2: So they're gonna like because right. that again is what that brings in the fluff of the faction, and then you're gonna get the uniqueness. Of the spell rack for the caster.
0: Yep, I yep. love it. So yeah, it's it's going to be amazing, and I am super stoked about that. Super stoked Inject about it that. Inject it into my could, veins right now. And and it allow and it allows them to do so much more with less models. Yes. Yep. And it allows you to go back and say, oh look, they just came out with this spell. Uh, possibility I can add it to this caster that changes uh, how they play because yep. you go this is now a faction spell yep yep exactly so it's it it's unbelievable the the possibilities are endless and they can do it all with less models. it's
2: and it, they the way that what information that's been given to us obviously we have not seen the proof of the pudding we, we've gotten we've gotten the beta rules we have gotten beta rules for a bunch of cards. I think Crix got the most cards out of that dump. Like
0: I can field an entire army, yeah, like, so whenever you want to play.
2: I got, I, got two, I got two cards out of the entire thing. <laughs> uh, so, Signar got two cards out of the entire thing. But I think they're trying to save Infernals and Signar because uh, tomorrow, all of it will be all over the internet. Because tomorrow, so we are recording this on August 3rd. Tomorrow is August 4th, which is Gen Con. And these models will be for sale tomorrow. Yeah, uh, and I guarantee case, you, it's Orgoth, or, Orgoth, and uh, and oh, the, oh, sorry, Orgoth, Orgoth and Sigmar. But um, you, you
1: better believe there's going to be people at Gen Con that are buying these, putting them together, and playing games on the floor right oh, yeah. away to just get uh, it,
2: get the, a handle for if it. If my two dabs of glue and some magnets, bro. If my yep. secret shopper pays out for me. Uh, we will have pictures for you on the Instagram. Oh boy. I'm excited. Oh Yeah. All right. Um, but, um, and so, then, and then, the, oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, go, go, for ahead, go for it. Go for Sorry. it. Go for it. Nope. 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 Go for it, right, it. Because so, I th- you're, you're going to get there eventually anyway.
1: We're already, so we're already in, we've, we've left the, uh, engineering, the future and we're back up into the evolve or die, which is the, 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 the bullet point up, um, and so I want to just mention the last thing is that they have full support for three different point levels in the game. So we talked about the racks. We talked about the command cards. We talked about customizable warjacks. Another big part of it is that we will have support for 50, 75, and 100 point battles. Um, the, the the thing that 50 points is that you should be looking at something that's like brawl machine, which my understanding of brawl machine is that's like Mark one war machine, early Mark II in terms of, Model count and game size Uh, also happens to be about what you get in the starter kits. Uh, And then 75 and 100 are bigger, bigger battles, so bigger pitch battles. But all three of those are going to be fully supported uh, in competitive play, and the game will be balanced around those three point levels. So that's yeah,
0: which is great because. Because here's the thing, right? Like, like Chris was talking about earlier, watching the game get bigger. Um, when I when I first started, several years after Chris did, uh, all the games were thirty five points. That was just what everybody was playing, and then they put out colossals and encouraged fifty points. And yeah, that's a, that thirty five to fifty, it's not a huge deal. But when you have you know ten point units of ten guys, uh, it's a lot more models on. Yeah, the they
2: they did the yep. same thing in Mark One. The standard size. The standard size for Mark I was, uh, I One was, I want to say it was 500 points. And then they started bringing out right. Epic Warcasters. And the Epic Warcasters, you had to play at 750 points. And, of course, everybody wanted to play the Epic Warcasters. So, naturally, the game evolved and moved to 750 points.
1: Yep. Yep. All right. So, let's talk about the next part, which is... The rollout strategy, and the biggest thing to talk about here is skews because we talked about at the top of the show skew bloat. Uh, and so mm-hmm. the way they're going to be releasing this game is core starters that have fifty point armies with options. Then you'll have oh an, expans- an expansion box for each faction that gives you a if the, if you combine that expansion box with the core box a seventy five point army with options. Mm-hmm. And further yep. to that, they'll have a Warjack expansion that allows you to go to 100 point games.
2: So if anyone so, you know, plays Infinity, this rollout should look very familiar. Yeah, it <laughs> I looks was it, just going to say yeah, that was, it, it looks it's like an code I, it's,
1: 1. It's an army box and two rectangle boxes of Infinity. That's exactly it literally, right. Yep.
2: It literally is a code 1 rollout. Yep, it's yep. exactly
1: code 1. Spot yep. on. Um, which is not a bad thing <laughs> and and, re- and really, and, and here's how it actually goes, right? So you have the 50 point, the 50 point boxes and the 50 point boxes are like, what's going to come out in, uh, at Gen Con. And so I'm going to go ahead and look at the Signar and, and the Signar. So it basically, this is what it has, it has, it has one warcaster. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> two two jacks, and the, the, it's a light jack and a heavy jack, which is like, uh, just think of it as a as a medium-sized and a big old war jack. Then it has uh, two units of Legionnaires, and those are five models each. One is Stormblade, one is Stormguard. They look like they, you're looking at them, they have different, one of them is like sword and board, one of them has pole arms. Then they have standard bears, which you, you play war games, you know what standard bears are. So you mm-hmm. have two, two standard bears. then you have a two three point there are two three model units so we, we basically are at two warjacks and two ten point two, two ten guys so that's 12 models 14 for the the standard bears another six to bring you up to 20 models uh and then a couple solos and your warcaster. so and your warcaster yep so so all together about 30 models or 24, 24, 25 models, right? And and there's a little bit different numbers with the Orgoth. Uh, but in general, it's a lot of models for 200 bucks, especially when you're looking at, again, it comes with magnets. It comes with all of those different head and arm options as well, which, I mean, really have to count sort of as models on their own, right? Because it's, it's plastic. It's not like it's nothing. Um, So that's a $200 box. Then you have the army expansion boxes, which are I sound like they're going to be 175 And those are another Warcaster, another six-model unit, more Solos, and more three-model unit things. So it's just options on options on options. And then on top of that are $15 to $40 Warjacks – or sorry, Warcasters and Warjacks. So they'll have Warcasters that are separate and Warjacks that are separate. And that's, that's your whole
0: army. Right, so fifty points with options for for one ninety nine American. Pretty good. Pretty That's good. That's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And
1: and, and unbelievable. if you think about think about a war game when you play a war game, right? Like it, because basically the, the number we're flirting with here is is about four hundred and fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but and that that sounds like a lot. You're like, especially if you're coming from a Song of Ice and Fire, you're like, excuse me, how much? <laughs> <laughs> but. This is for the entire army, right? And if you think about Malifaux, buying an entire army in Malifaux is – or buying an entire faction is a four to $600 proposition. So mm-hmm. it's not outside of the bounds of what we're normally looking at for an entire army. Look at Infinity again, right? Infinity is another great option. The $100 is that good taster. Gets you that gets you that thing you can get in, you can roll in, you can play some full games and 50 point games again are full games. I don't we don't I don't want to to have people come away with the impression that 50, 75 and 100 is mini game, mid game, full game. Full games can be played at 50 points. And Brawl Machine mm-hmm. is actually a very supported and loved format in War Machine. Ash Barker of Guerrilla Miniatures Games, as an example, released a Brawl Machine video a week and a half ago. It's like the way people play War Machine a lot. Not, mm-hmm. not a smaller version. It's not like Diet War Machine. It's a full game. Yep. Um, so that's your taster. And then you can go up and up and up from there.
0: Yeah, it's it, that, is, that is infinitely exciting. Because then the other thing that that does is if you're new – and, and this is, again, code, why Code 1 does it. If you're new, you can just go, I'm buying that box.
1: Yep. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Yep. we we When this was announced, we had a lot of people in our Discord. Obviously, this was starting to get a lot of hype, a lot of conversation around this. And a lot of people have always, like, there were a lot of people in our Discord that were like, I've always been interested in War Machine. I've liked the, the Warjack aesthetic. I've liked this. I've liked that. Then I look at the model count and I'm like, I can't get into this. There's too much. It's mm-hmm. overwhelming. And yep. this is this yep. is going to be a beautiful way to get those new people that have always been looking at the game but have been a little intimidated to get into it because of the skew bloat. This is gonna be this is gonna be a great way to just ease them in. And so here
1: we go. Yep here, here, and let's, let's now let's talk about what the roadmap is. The unless Paul, did you have something
0: else? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. If I did, I forgot.
1: It's okay. Sorry. I, I'm, I'm just excited. Um, so this month we have That's it, my problem it's too. the battle group previews that are going to be released. So I have to assume these are going to be smaller than the full starters, but we won't know until tomorrow. Um, but those are going to be released tomorrow at Adapticon. Mm-hmm. And then late September, early October, we're looking at the starter sets for, uh, Signor and Orgoth. Along with the app launch. At this point, they're also going to be releasing all of the legacy armies. And so then in uh, November, we have Kador uh, along with uh, new Warcasters for all three of the released armies. So we'll get the, the Kador starter set in November along with new Warcasters for Orgoth, Signar, and Kador. In December, we will get Warjacks, additional Warjacks, for those, and then also Mercenary Solos in December, uh, and then more expansions in January and February. Eighty millimeter solos in March, and a starter set release for I think Skyra. Is that how you pronounce wait, it?
0: In April. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, what was what was that right before you said uh, the elves. eighty mil- what kind of solos? Eighty
1: millimeter solos. So Solo's on 80 millimeter bases. Big, I big
0: completely missed that and that is freaking phenomenal uh, because that's not a size that's existed. Yeah, they yes. have... Um, that's Paul,
2: I don't know if you've read... I don't know if you read it in the beta rules. There are now things called super heavy warjacks that are on 80 millimeter bases.
0: Uh, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. So, I'm yeah, in. That, I'm that, in. that sir, is in the beta, beta rules. I am here for this. So, Everything so, yeah, about that. I am here if
1: you for. look at it, and and so, and we're, I think we're. It's pretty obvious we're going to do a full war machine episode, especially oh, after because, oh, yes. not not all of us, Not the three of us haven't fully gotten through the rule book yet. We're all at different stages. I've I've mostly at the ooh picture stage, but these two have read a little bit, and I <laughs> intend on reading more. But one of the things that I wanted to look at right away because it's a big deal to me in any war game that I play, is line of sight rules because those that's a that is generally my make or break like. shitty line of sight will turn me right off of a a war game Mm -hmm. so that was one of the first things I went to and and when I went to go I noticed that it uses the same uh, line of sight basically as infinity it's kind of like true line of sight based on volume Mm -hmm. which is great Mm -hmm. totally fine with that um, and that makes me assume they'll have templates and things like that, but also it's pretty simple because they give you the exact height that a model occupies. So the small base models, the medium base, but the cool thing that you can see in this Paul, and this is for you and, and anybody listening is that if you go and you download the rule book on page 19, there is a picture of one of those 80 millimeter solos, and it is legit a badass huge dude riding a big ass huger dude.
2: <laughs> oh, it's the, or the Orgoth thing, isn't it?
1: yeah the siege Tarask. yeah, yeah it's the name of it
0: yep so uh, and so I, uh, apparently i'm in for orgath i didn't realize this uh <laughs> yeah so i'm i'm here for this so
2: if, if you are listening and you've been playing war machine for a while you played in third edition uh you did hear that right terrain is back no, yeah, more, totally back, no more no right. more 2d printed bullcrap we're we're back to we're back to full 3D terrain. Thank well, and, God. and
0: not only that, but on a side on a side note, at some point in Mark Three, they removed hills from the game.
2: Yes, they did.
1: And yeah, and
0: elevation is back.
1: Right, elevation is a, is a big deal again. So. Yep. And we'll talk yep. about the yep. rules for for Mark IV, and then and you guys can help with differences. I just I want to get my head around Mark IV because it's it's a, it's a it's not just a sixty five page rulebook. It's a dense sixty five page rulebook. It is rulebook. a dense.
2: There's not oh, yeah. a lot of open pay, space in these pages. Yep it's it's a de- it's a dense I mean, rulebook.
0: I mean, at, at this point, like like I like I said earlier, I looked at the Cricks cards. I am basically good to go. So as soon as Potter says he's got stuff to be able to play, I'm going to be at his house playing War Machine. Yeah, I mean oh, I just so,
2: need, I just so need Signar cards. That, that's all I need because I'm, I'm playing my yeah, boys and and, and I'm, I'm a
1: swan that will, so we, Yeah, if we've gotten you a little excited, I would say definitely read the rule book if you want. And if you don't want, it, trust that we're going to do an episode because these guys already know War Machine. Um, and we, we haven't talked about a lot of the features because I, I want to leave some of that for an episode where we talk about the, the standard 2d6 roles, the boosting, how boost is so cool, uh, what, what War Machine is all about, how the combat mechanics work, how it's it, an eminently balanced game because of the, the bell curve and the things that War Machine does differently than most other war games. Um, because everything, everything for people who don't know, everything is basically based on 3d6 and, and that's 2d6 plus your stat, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's not really true either, I guess, cause sometimes you can go higher than six on your core stats, sometimes a lot higher, but that's basically the core tenant is you're adding 2d6 to your stat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's lots of things that can boost and reroll and, and all sorts of, Overlapping abilities and buffs and cool shit that happens in War Machine and headbutting and ramming and all the cool stuff that Warjacks can do anyway. War Machine's cool. Um and we're totally off the rails now, you guys. We have we have abandoned all hope of of going back to that main thing. But yeah, 80 mil solos in March and then Skyrat in April. So four factions by April, and then some at some point in 2023. Um, I'm assuming we're going to get more, and yes. and then also an additional hordes. four hordes factions for Gen Con next year. Yep, and they are so what, they what, are what,
2: purposely keeping hordes apart for right now, even though the rules are already in the in the, in the rule in the rulebook. They're they're yep, just to get new to players sure, onboarded, right? They're they, and they're wanting to make sure that hordes gets enough of their own thing because hordes is special enough that they want hordes to be in the full spotlight.
0: And then, anyway, no, I, 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 that'll be off the rails. Never mind, ignore me. <laughs> well, we're
1: we're in it. We're in, we're in. So we've already been talking for an hour and a half. So we're at final thoughts time.
0: So if you've got an off the rails thought, ta- thoughts, now or never. So what what I find interesting is that we have Orgoth and we have uh, Crix and we ha- or not Crix. Uh, we have Signar and we have Cador. Um, that. That's not Crix and that's not Minoth. No, that is correct. And I noticed and one of the things I noticed going through is that Crix had a very clear two casters and a themed army, and it just happens to be the one that I love and always have loved. So I'm I'm ready. I just the only thing I don't have is the uh, Bane Witch Agatha. Other than that, I think I have everything oh and maybe a, a, a solo. Is it you, is it a, is it um, no, it's uh, Gorshade. Ah, fuck! It's Gorshade, Gorshade. and Agatha. It's Gorshade one. So it's it's got the uh, Deathwalker, um, and and I also noticed that Minoth very much has the the, the Seneschals. Yeah. Uh, type it, army. I with, think it's going to be one of the creoses. It's
2: one of the Kreosses, and um, I think it's one of the Resniks.
0: Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Because because that was the Mark Three Battle Box, just like Bane, Witch Agatha. Um, so I find it interesting that those two factions aren't mentioned and they have the most fleshed out cards in the list already. So I wonder if um, they're just not going to see some love for quite a while. Um, and that's why they're kind of getting these these this more deeper legacy.
2: Yeah, maybe, list. maybe. Because, I mean, if Syra, Skyra, Skyra, how however you pronounce them, are, are coming out in December of this year. The most likely though, that means those two plus maybe crucible will be out. Uh, you know, they'll be the War machine factions that'll be out early, you know, first, second quarter next year.
0: Yep. Yep. So, so clearly there's something going on there with Minoth and, and Krix. Uh Don't know what it is, but I, I mean, like I said, I am, I've always been all in on the Banes um, and that's what it is. It's Bane Knights and, and, bane thralls and uh bane riders and pistol wraiths uh so i mean it's 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 my my crick's jam um get to bust out the wither shadow combine again and i i am i'm i'm here for this my body is ready if subscribe <laughs> me to the newsletter it's if, over it's harder it's harder
2: if tardis could, could just go point and click and do his shit without rolling dice i'm gonna
0: flip my shit still <laughs> I hate that model uh, I yeah I think I have two of them now yeah. probably so uh
2: my final thoughts uh keep an eye on the 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 social media the for forevertier press they are they're putting stuff out all the time now with this release uh they've actually already started showing the stuff that's gonna be in the codor box uh we've seen the we've seen the warcasters uh concept art we've seen the 3d rendering of what I believe people are calling Yuri the sniper, because uh, it looks like Yuri the axe, uh, but he's holding a sniper rifle instead of his axes. So obviously, oh obviously God. we don't know if that's Yuri or not, but it's 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 a it's one of the man hunters with a with the sniper rifle. Um, so they're starting to throw out concept art and stuff for Kotor, Uh If that's if Codor is your jam, um, they're starting to put that out there. So just just keep an eye on it. Um, you know, and if you've never played War Machine just just try it it's fun uh i mean it is the game that got me to stop playing GW only um and it has allowed me to branch out and play so many of these awesome skirmish games and, and other uh full battle size games and that are not gW and, and realize that there is a world of miniatures war gamings out there uh so i that war machine will always 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 have a special place in my heart
0: I can I can I can honestly think of four or five people that I've been friends with for a decade because of War Machine. I'm one. You are one. That is correct.
1: Yeah. I, I'm. My final thought is that I'm I'm ready. I'm so ready to get steam powered. Like I like I feel like I missed War Machine. Right. I, I just I came back into the hobby at a critical juncture that was not good for the game. Um, and I started getting into like Guild Ball and Malifaux and those games, and I just. Missed it. And I've always wanted to be into it. I've I'm clearly, you know, passionate about miniatures. And another thing that's, you know, an important detail for me, and maybe the first time you guys are hearing it, is that like, I've spent, and you know, this for the last year, most really the last year and a half, really just playing a lot of flesh and blood as a card game. And, and what's that what that has done to me is this proven because I still read war game rule books, but it's proven to me that I don't have to buy every war game to understand what they're doing and what i've been doing is kind of like trying to find what my forever games are the way that i play flesh and blood and the way that i have just immersed myself and sort of like swim in it and i think about it a lot i want a war game that does that for me and really the ones that i play right now none of them really do it right like some of some of them spark that joy but none of them really do and what i'm hoping is and is that war machine can be that game it can be one of those games that i can just really sink into and and part of that is that it's got the rules depth that that I enjoy uh, as, long, as well as the size that I enjoy and an aesthetic that I really dig. Like probably my favorite aesthetic in all of Wargaming outside of Infinity is War Machine. So it's a very easy sell for me to get in um, and, and part of me is really hoping that this can be that game for me that I can just get in, there'll be a scene that's local where I can always get games like I did with Malifaux back when I was playing in 2016, 2017, 2018. Um, I'm just so thoroughly excited for the future of this game right now because of what the steps Privateer has taken.
0: So that, uh, and and, and my, my final thought is that I am super stoked that you're stoked about this because... I feel like I always tried to get you into War Machine, and you were like, "Nah, Nutrunner, runner, net runner." Yeah. Um, and now I feel like you're here. You're here for it. You're here for it.
1: I yeah, I understand both sides of the coin, right? Like that was you were talking to me when I was primarily a card gamer, and and I and I've sort of been mm-hmm. going back and forth, but the love of miniatures has never left. Not that since my like deep descent into Flesh and Blood has my love of miniatures diminished it's just been you know the pandemic is weird things are weird uh mm-hmm. the ritual hasn't always been there for me but like this game sparks that like like it, it just it gives me that feeling i have you know that i've had in the past and i've discovered a new game that really just pushed all the buttons correctly and kings of war i'm not gonna lie is doing that a little bit like i i, I wouldn't be surprised if you guys were talking a year from now I'm still reading rule books and buying rule books, but the only miniatures I even own anymore are for Kings of War, War Machine, and Marvel Crisis Protocol. That could be a thing that happens, um, but I, you know, I, the time will tell, right? I need to read these rules a little bit more, de- a little deeper. I need to get into the game a little bit more, and I need it to prove itself to me over the next six months. But mm-hmm. this is the, this is the trajectory I hope the game is on for me.
0: I mean, I and and Chris and I have. Been talking for, oh my gosh, like years now of saying, you know, I wish we were playing War Machine. Uh, we wish Mark III was better, and you know, this is this is that opportunity for mm-hmm. for I, I mean, you know, again, I'm I'm here for. What,
2: what was it uh, like? What a week and a half ago, I think I I think I came to you and said I said I, I think I'm finally done. I'm holding on to my War Machine stuff. Like I just don't see it coming back. I don't.
0: Dude, you told me that on a Saturday and Tuesday they made the announcement. I was like,
2: okay, I'm going to have to eat fucking crow here (laughs) because here they come with this (laughs) announcement. They're like, hey, by the way, we're not making this an Amber game. We're going to make it a continuing living game and we're bringing it back. I'm like, fuck. I just just said I was going to get rid of my stuff. (laughs)
0: Meanwhile, Chris is then dumpster diving for his cigar. No, I, well, I got rid of the
2: cigar a while ago already. I I have a legion of Everlight Army.
1: The
0: Legion. Yeah. Yep. There you go. All right, but anyway, guys.
1: Well, here here's, anyway, here's a question. We have talked
0: everybody's ear off.
1: Yeah, we have. We we've, we've gone a long time because we're clearly we're excited. Um, and I'll say, I think I'm most excited for for Kador. Um, that's pr- and if I can, that's where I'm, I'm going to hold on and hold on for Kador. <laughs> oh my
0: God, you, 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 you would be a Kador player. You <laughs> would be.
1: I'm glad that you said that. You know me, you know my proclivities. So I'm glad my, uh, mm-hmm. my, my initial read on myself is correct. Um, but that's, uh, yeah, absolutely. That, that's kind of what, I, and, I, and that's what I'm going to try to hold on for is the Kador. But I'm gonna I'm gonna hope to get out and play some demos before that because I'm just super jacked to start play, jacked huh, can, to start playing. I, can, I mean I can super
0: jacked. <laughs> Great, good Jesus fun. Um, you know, and 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 I can completely see you seeing you being like, all right, here's my big ass wall of jacks, and here's my caster that's just gonna punch you in your freaking face. Come at me. I
1: like it. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm into. Mm-hmm. Plus. You know they're like the, the the Russian style faction, like the yes. cold weather, just mm-hmm. big badass mofos, and that's like that's my aesthetic. I dig it. So I'm into it.
2: Yeah. Plus you got a lot. Yeah. A Plus lot if of if they heavy put infantry,
0: the, I like. And it. if they bring Karchev back, he's he's ridiculous. A warcaster that's a warjack
2: alive for how many hundreds of years?
1: Uh huh. Super cool.
0: Yep. Anyway, guys, anyway, now we gotta, now we're just rambling.
2: Yeah, read us out, Paul. <laughs>
0: Uh, all right. So first of all, thank you to all of our patrons, uh, and, and for putting up with some of our inconsistencies and and all of that jazz. Um, but yeah, so thanks to them. Thanks to static as a city, um, for the awesome music and come join us on our discord. Uh, it's, it's, it's really, I think the best thing we do. And, and at this point, the show is, is more recruitment for the discord um, I feel like sometimes that's, that's, that's one of the best things that comes out of it is, is more and more people coming, coming to the discord. Um, so that's the, that's the big pushes come, come to the discord. If you're interested in, in the Patreon thing, um, you know, take a look at that. Um, and you know, we're, we're like legitimately back, uh, on a regular schedule. So, um, yeah, that's it. That's all I got.
1: Yeah, go. Three men in a war jack. Bye!